Thank you for checking out Coffee Pods. Throughout this month of August, we're going to be exploring some new healing psalms that have been written and inspired by Wes Sutton. So do take a listen to the psalms that we are going to hear, and we look forward to telling you a little bit more about how they came to be. This week's healing psalm is called May Our Songs and Our Worship. We hope you enjoy listening to it and we will chat to Wes in a minute about it. Here we are again, and we're going to talk about this uh, wonderful healing psalmers that we've just heard. And um, this is nice. It's got a nice, relaxed feel to it. And it also, it feels like an offering. I don't know whether that's intentional when we sing it. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I, I've had this one for a while and, and just sort of, you know, added a little bit into it. And it was with that intention that, it it would bring us right close to God, almost to the picture of of being close enough to put something in His hand. Mm. So so it was that very 
personal, very intimate sort of setting. Yeah, and so as you say that, I mean the, the first um, the first two lines it says, "May our songs and our worship be music to your ears. May your heart be filled with singing." So, who is this song for? God is it for us? Is it for both? Well, I suppose in a sense, it's one of those things after you've written it, you think, oh, that's ambiguous. And I thought, do I need to tidy that up? And I thought, no, I'm going to leave it because in a sense, as people come, you know, yes, we are sort of saying, you know, what happens here? May it may it be like heaven's song in your ears. Mm. But actually, I did genuine, genu- genuinely um, write it for God. So I was saying to God, look, what what I do here and I remember where I was when I wrote this. I was on my own. And I was just almost saying, God, what I do here, may it be, may it be like music to you. May, it, may, may something be given to God. Um, and, and, and so I, I, you know, I've reflected for quite some time on what, what does our worship do to him? you know and do for him and and john um in his gospel in the story of the woman at the well he says essentially that god doesn't seek worship he seeks the worshiper yes so so you know what what is what is god receiving out of this what am i giving to him um and so that that's where i sort of got that 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 whole idea that god i want to give something to you i mean i'm very mindful of the uh, i think it's psalm 116 it says what shall i return to the lord for all his goodness to me and of course the answer is well i haven't got a lot to give mm-hmm. actually actually i do think we do have something to give that is a value to god so it was that sort of thing of saying lord here i am may the song that i'm singing or the prayer that i'm praying or even the silence that I'm offering, may it, may it be a beautiful offering to you, flawed and, and frail, absolutely, but may it nevertheless have this beauty in it. And I just wanted to give God something. Yeah, it's lovely. And isn't it wonderful how even when, so like you're saying, you want to give God something, we receive at the same time, by doing that, we come into his presence, don't we? Mm-hmm. We do. And I think I think perhaps one of the things that historically from perhaps just the Reformation and, and going all the way through that and then into modernism, that, that the church became very afraid of emotion. And, and, and I, you know, and actually what they were afraid of was emotionalism. But actually, okay. what what actually we did is we stifled emotion, so we weren't ever meant to to feel anything because mm. God didn't feel anything. But of course, that's more Greek than it is Judeo Christian theology, and so the idea um, that God could be moved in some way by us, um, and, and I, I'm amazed, you know, the the times that Jesus is moved in the Gospels. At times that Jesus is amazed. Mm. I love that, that that heaven interacts with us. And so it was that sort of thing that I was sort of, you know, realizing this connection between the world of the spirit and the, the human all sort of really came together yeah. as we came to that place of worship. And you're right, we do receive something in that process as well. Mm. Yeah. And I do like um, when you, you start the second verse and you say, you truly, Lord, are welcome. This is just a wonderful image of you just being like, come on, more. <laughs> it, well, it, it was. And I was just realizing how um, it, it, 
the thing like you know there was no room f- for jesus at the inn and, mm. and, and and i just feel i don't know about you but i i feel that i think you know that that this wonderful god this wonderful savior this this incredible jesus and 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 there wasn't any room for him yeah you know, and I know what you, you know, you know what you feel like if you arrive somewhere and you can't get in and you think, oh, okay. <laughs> and and so it was that sense of just wanting to say to God, I, I am so pleased that you are here, Lord. Mm. You are truly welcome. And even if, even if, at least in the end, I can only say you are truly welcome here in this life that I inhabit. Yeah. Then I can do that. And I made this promise to to God uh, when I I started out my ministry as a worship leader, essentially, was that um, I would worship even if nobody else was. Yeah. And actually, I have been in churches where I've been leading worship and people have just been looking at me thinking, you are out of your tree. (laughs) And I just said, I'm going to I'm going to worship God, even if I'm Mm. the only person. So it was that idea that, you know, that, yeah, that God was welcome here. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you you finish in the final verse, don't you, about a lot of it is just about his presence and what we find in his presence. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think, do you know, I've discovered that that when we are in the presence of God, he restores this beauty to us. Mm-hmm. He He brings something that has been marred and covered. Uh, and it comes out. So like a friend of mine put it uh, like he turns a black and white photo into color. Oh, yeah. and, and I thought, mm, that's, you know, that's really, that's really lovely. And so uh, I, it, it comes down to this fact. I, I love that scripture in uh, Luke where it says that um, it's that famous one. And the power of the Lord was present to heal. And so I was trying to capture two things, which says that the power of the Lord it needs the presence of the Lord. You can't have one without the other. And so it was trying to draw that in, particularly in relation to the healing ministry. It was that we, we don't just deal with the power of God. It has to be in the presence of God as well. Mm-hmm. And so it was, a, it was a sort of a thing as we were looking maybe a bit at, at the communion moment, which mm-hmm. is where we often use this about God being present among us um, and thus the release of his power. I love that. Actually, as you were just sharing that um, verse, it made me realise like sometimes it feels like we're trying to summon him up <laughs> for his presence, and it actually he wants to be present. Oh, like wow. he wants he wants to, and then then we use this when we we come to communion here at Acorn, and it's I just got this image of this lovely joining us coming together, him wanting to, us wanting to, and it's easy. Mm. Uh, it's really interesting because um the the church has had this relationship with communion obviously for for centuries um Mm. but but throughout its its history churches of every color and shape and size have had this understanding that it's also a healing service not just a salvation service Mm. and and actually it was a service at which we were supposed to encounter god um in in a very significant 
way in body and mind and spirit. So yes, he was healing for our uh, our spirits, for our sins. He was healing for our minds, for our mm. relationships, but also healing for our bodies as well. And and many church traditions, not just the Pentecostal or charismatic traditions, but they would anoint with oil at the healing at a communion service. They would lay hands on at a communion service for healing. And so I wanted to try and bring those two things back together again to say um, and whatever um, our theology about the bread and wine is whether we're transubstantiationists or consubstantiationists um, that in some way we encountered the reality of the presence of God mm. when we took bread and wine of whatever shape or flavor um, you know so you know I, I I know somebody who was leading communion off the cuff with somebody and all honestly and all that was to hand yeah was a digestive biscuit and a carton of orange juice oh, wow. and they broke bread with a digestive biscuit and a carton of orange juice mm. you know and just said but lord nevertheless we're here so it was that thing about that reality of the presence of god um and and just even just that it's a crazy picture isn't it It just even as the bread and the wine physically enter our body i always look at it that christ is entering in us by his spirit again yeah that's wonderful Mm. yeah and maybe you know rather than asking you to pray now i wonder i've said it before but if you're listening to this today you could replay this song and maybe even wherever you are if you want to take communion you can do it on your own if you fancy it because it is as you're saying it's a wonderful opportunity to ask god for healing through his presence it is and of course the, the beauty of it if you read in in acts lisa it's um they just broke bread in in their homes yeah so that's a great yeah. idea people could just yeah i like that cool well thank thank you wes it's been really special and we thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you soon Thanks for joining us for Coffee Pods. We hope that you have been inspired and enriched by what you have heard. Do catch us next time. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe and tell somebody.